just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. Welcome back to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your week is going well. Gotta be honest, it's a little weird around here. You know, I live in Minnesota. It's mid-December. Yesterday, we had a temperature of about 45 degrees. Today, it's going to be 51. I've been here all my life, been through every winter. This does not happen. I mean, the fact is, in mid-December, you can get sub-zero temperatures, and I've seen it. It's unbelievable. It's incomprehensible, some of the temperatures we get in the state in December, January, and even February. But yesterday, 45 degrees. Today, 51 degrees. Now, I love the warmer weather. I'm not bitching about that. But anytime something is a little different or a little off, you have to ask, why? In addition to that, of course, we had those um, out-of-season tornadoes going through the central part of the country, Ohio, Kentucky, and some other areas, Arkansas. It did immense damage to property through the stretch it ran through. These were multiple tornadoes, I should say, not just one. But it did immense damage, and almost 100 people have died from these tornadoes at a time of year when they shouldn't be seeing tornadoes. And again, it has something to do with warmer weather. All of this is essentially unprecedented. It doesn't happen. So why why now? Even with the warmer temperatures we're seeing now in my area of the country, there's some talk that there might be some unseasonable tornadoes in Iowa and Minnesota. Now, we're more prepared to deal with those things because we do deal with tornadoes year to year, but not in the middle of fucking December. How is that possible? Well, you can try a lot of explanations, but the only explanation could be climate change. Oh, I know the Republicans, Donald Trump, it's all a hoax. It doesn't exist. It doesn't affect anything. But it's not just these tornadoes, not just the warm weather in Minnesota. It's the fires in California. It's the hurricanes being stronger and coming later. There's a lot of shit going on in this country with weather, and everybody, almost everybody, is being affected. For four years, they ignored the whole concept of climate change, did absolutely nothing. Now that Donald Trump is in, or Donald Trump is gone, and Joe Biden's in, hopefully we'll get something done. Now, there's a lot to climate change in this Build Back Better bill that's supposed to be uh, voted on at some point before Christmas. Now, of course, Manchin and Cinema don't like it. Well, they need to take a look at uh, the climate change situation and how much it's impacting people. There are people, almost 100 people in the central part of this country that are dead because of something happening that should have never happened at this time of year. So we need to get that Build Back Better bill going so we can get some money and some attention on the climate change because we're in a bit of trouble here. Things are changing quickly and we need to react and we need to do something to at least slow it down. We'll see what happens with the Build Back Better bill if that isn't enough motivation for people to vote it in and get it passed and make it law. I don't know what the fuck you can do about it. Now on Tuesday night... The full House voted 222 to 208 to refer Mark Meadows to the Department of Justice for criminal contempt. Yeah, Mark Meadows wasn't going to testify. Then he was going to testify. Now he's not going to testify. He didn't think he'd be referred to the Department of Justice. But uh, a day or two ago, the House Select Committee voted to refer to him, refer him to the DOJ. Then the next step was the full House to vote on it and refer him to the DOJ. Then it's a done deal. Then he's going to the DOJ. And that's what they did today. So Mark Meadows has some problems with the Department of Justice at this point. Now, as I understand it, if at some point between now and the time he goes to trial, he decides to talk, this whole charge could go away, which I don't think is fair. I mean, he's already broken the law. Even if he decides to talk now, he still broke the fucking law. This guy needs to pay a price. 
Well, if you're worried about the uh, the uh, criminal contempt of Congress, now keep in mind, the lowest amount of time he can get is a month in jail, but he could get up to a year in jail. And I know a lot of you folks are thinking, well, that's not enough. That's not going to teach him any lessons. And that may be true. But again, that's the least of Mark Meadows' problems and should be the least of our concern. First of all, Mark Meadows can't win his court case uh, for criminal contempt of Congress. He can't. He's even got less of a chance to get by with uh, criminal contempt than Steve Bannon does. And why? Well, because he already turned over a bunch of documents, documents that he's admitted aren't don't have executive privilege. So now the House Select Committee would like to have him talk about those things he's turned in, but he's refusing. He's trying to claim executive privilege. That's going down the tubes because it was shut down by two courts and will be shut down by the Supreme Court. Then he has no defense. But even if you disregard that, he's already turned over 6,000 documents. He said they don't have executive privilege just by virtue of turning them over. So there's no reason for him not to sit and talk about those documents he turned over. When he goes to court for criminal contempt, he's going to lose because he broke the law and he even made it harder for him to get away with it by turning over those documents. But over and above that, here's what you need to consider about Mark Meadows. As I said, this criminal contempt of Congress is the least of Mark Meadows' problems. He's got big problems. I don't know what he was thinking when he turned over these documents. I mean, if you're not going to testify, don't turn over the documents. But he did. And these documents are very damning for him, for Donald Trump, and for other people in the administration. But he turned them over Willingly, he can't take them back now. In fact, the House Select Committee is reading segments and texts in those 6,000 documents, and it's really fucking appalling. I mean, we're finding out all kinds of things. During January 6th, Mark Meadows is getting texts from people from Fox News. These people who said that uh, January 6th was just a bunch of tourists. But during the insurrection, they're sending notes saying, you got to have Donald Trump do something about this. You've got to have him stop these people. Go on TV. He's ruining his legacy. He's going to ruin everything they accomplished in the four years. Two things you learn here. Clearly, the Fox News people realized that it was a serious insurrection, and what they're saying on TV now is a bunch of bullshit. Secondly, they're identifying the fact that they know Donald Trump has the power over this insurrection. There's another text that I think is the most damning. There's a text to Mark Meadows on January 6th during the insurrection. This is coming from an organizer of the Trump rally that day that became the insurrectionist, he texted Mark Meadows and said, look, it's getting out of hand out here. We need some direction. The insurrectionist went to Mark Meadows to go to Donald Trump to get direction as to pose as opposed to or to suppose what they're supposed to do in this rally slash insurrection. These insurrectionists are going to the White House, going to Donald Trump and Mark, Mark Meadows to find out what they need to do next. Well, that all but says that not only was Donald Trump involved in inciting these people, in pulling these people into Washington, D.C., but also facilitating what they were doing during the insurrection. This implicates Mark Meadows. This implicates Donald Trump and the whole White House as being a big part of what became an insurrection. Well, that's a fucking serious thing. And it's not like it's hearsay. It's not like it's um, somebody lying or hyping something up. These are texts from a specific person going to Mark Meadows, saying those same things. You can't deny them. It fucking happened. And for some reason, these insurrectionists thought that the people in the White House, including Donald Trump, had some power to direct them. 
the other thing we're finding out about these texts, too, and now we're only touching the surface of what's in those 6,000 or 9,000 documents, but there's also text coming from people in Congress, people in Congress begging Mark Meadows to get Trump to do something because they're in the midst of an insurrection. It's dangerous. People are getting hurt. People are dying. There's threats to murder Pelosi and Mike Pence, and they're asking for help. Sends it to Mark Meadows. Mark Meadows says, dude, I'm trying. But still, Donald Trump did nothing. Donald Trump didn't do anything until 187 minutes later, three hours and seven minutes, he didn't do jack shit. He sat there with his thumb in his ass, relishing in all of this violence at the U.S. Capitol. Now, Mark Meadows also said in some of these texts they were having the National Guard on standby, and get this, to protect pro-Trump rally members. Well, the pro-Trump people were the ones causing the insurrection. So are you telling me, Mark Meadows, that you were going to take the National Guard and use it as backup for the insurrectionists to fight against who? BLM? Well, BLM doesn't exist in this scenario. They weren't there. The only people they were fighting against were the police. So now are you telling me you want the National Guard to help the insurrectionists by fighting with them with the police? If that's what you're saying, you've got a serious problem, Mark Meadows. This is fucking sedition or treason or whatever you want to call it. But again, this isn't hearsay. This isn't, I heard somebody say that. There are texts going to Mark Meadows and from Mark Meadows for this whole thing. And Mark Meadows turned it over willingly. So it's not like it's a lie. It's not like it's fake news. It's all real news and it's right there in fucking documentation. So you see, Mark Meadows has got a lot of problems. And in turn, Donald Trump will have a lot of problems, too, because this is implicating the White House in this insurrection. And this, you know, this is just the insurrection. Donald Trump's got a hundred other issues. We'll talk about them, too. But in the insurrection, it's implicating the White House. And that is a huge fucking problem. We've never seen a president do these sorts of things or a chief of staff. So they're continuing on with this. And also in these texts, we are getting, prior to the insurrection, we are getting text of encouragement and uh, coordinating things from sitting members of Congress, which would suggest that they are involved in the planning and the facilitating of this insurrection. <clears throat> now, Benny Thompson is talking about these many sitting Congress uh, Congress members that are interacting with the White House, interacting with Mark Meadows in preparation for this January 6th insurrection. He's not given out any names yet. Not sure why. It's probably because there's some negotiations or something going on. But he did say this. He said, when we tell you who the sitting members of Congress that were involved with the insurrection, you won't be surprised. So, of course, that tells us Paul Gosar. That tells us um, Boebert. This tells us Marjorie Taylor Greene, Jim Jordan, Kevin McCarthy. If we find out that all of these people, 5, 10, 15 people from Congress that were involved in the insurrection, that means expulsion. Can you imagine the impact on the Republican Party if 12 or 13 sitting members of Congress that are Republican, get fucking expelled. I mean, thrown out of Congress. If that happens, that means some deep trouble for the Republican Party. And it goes back to what I've said before. You get shit like that happening, you're going to have a hard time getting people to vote Republican come 2022. You might think history dictates that the Republican Party will win in 2022, but as this stuff comes out, and this stuff is happening, it's going to be very ugly for the Republicans. And these little tidbits coming out, that's just the beginning. You see, because Benny Thompson has said that they are going to have public hearings on television during primetime in the first quarter of 2022. That means from like January to March. 
So they're going to have these televised meetings from January to March to April in those, and there'll be ongoing weekly testimony from people involved in the insurrection. It's going to expose all kinds of things. It's going to be on national television. It's going to dwarf Watergate because there's so much to be uncovered. So what will happen then, there'll be court cases and indictments and that sort of thing that come. And it'll probably take till September, maybe October, before people start hitting court and going through some shit. And some people will say to me, well, that's too long. No, you don't get it. You don't understand. The timing is the key to this whole thing. You're going to sit for three months, two months, whatever it is, exposing all this stuff on national television. These people are going to go to court September or October. But guess what comes up in November? The 2022 election. The majority of 2022 will be exposing the criminality, the corruption, the insurrection of the Republican Party every day, all fucking day. How do you think that's going to affect 2022? You don't think that they had this in mind when they set this up? Oh, you bet your ass they did. They absolutely did. And now it's in the works. They're already starting to expose some of this crazy shit. And even though we've only heard a little bit of it, it is some crazy shit. I mean, it's amazing to imagine that Donald Trump and Mark Meadows had direct contact with organizers of a group that became an insurrectionists and helped to advise them, direct them, facilitate them in order to overthrow this fucking country. You wonder, people have said, well, Donald Trump will not get indicted. Bullshit. If they can prove he was involved in that, and that's just one thing. If they can prove he was involved in that, they can't help but indict him. I don't know if he'll do jail time, but I bet you Mark Meadows does. Ron Ehrlichman, chief of staff for Richard Nixon, did fucking jail time. You can bet Mark Meadows is going to, because this is far bigger than anything we saw with um, with Watergate. On another topic, legally speaking, for Donald Trump, this one is kind of interesting. It was just reported that Trump's longtime accountant, Donald Bender, now this Donald Bender doesn't work for the Trump organization. He works for a company, a big accounting company called Mazer, but he handled all of Donald Trump's accounting. This gentleman has agreed to testify in front of the Manhattan District Court of New York. But here's the kicker. He's also agreed to testify while getting immunity. Now, you don't need immunity unless you've done some fucking shady illegal shit. And he has absolute immunity to testify in front of the uh, Manhattan District Court. Now, this gentleman, while he didn't work for the Trump organization, he handled all the accounting for the company and for Donald Trump. And no doubt Donald Trump would have had him do certain things that may be illegal. Maybe they didn't want to do, but they were afraid to lose his business and lose the money. So clearly they may have done some things that are illegal at the behest of Donald Trump. But now this gentleman's going to sit down with complete immunity and explain some of those things. We know Donald Trump had two books. Uh, Two sets of books. We know he did some fucking illegal shit. Now, this gentleman who was in the middle of it, handling all this stuff for him, no doubt cheated and broke the law for him at his behest, at Donald Trump's behest, is now going to talk. And he's got complete immunity. You don't give people complete immunity if you don't get two things. First of all, the guy did something illegal in his own right. He doesn't need immunity if he didn't do something criminal. Secondly, you don't give him immunity unless he's going to fucking talk and tell it all. And tell it all about Donald Trump. This is a scary situation for Donald Trump. He is in trouble in the Manhattan district. We were just talking about the insurrection thing. He's in trouble there, big trouble. But now he's in trouble with the Manhattan district. 
Wow. This is starting to get ugly for Donald Trump. He can't be in a good mood right now. Definitely not in a good mood. We'll see what Donald Bender says in the Manhattan District Court. And that very well could be the thing that causes the indictment for Donald Trump. We know there's going to be some other testimony and other subpoenas. And the only people really to to testify for the Manhattan District are Trump family members, maybe some close confidants, and Donald Trump himself. This is something Donald Trump's not going to be able to fend off or delay or do any of that shit. He's in deep trouble with the Manhattan District as well as Washington, D.C. with the insurrection. One other thing, some sad news was that uh, COVID-19 hit 800,000 deaths. Can you imagine that? Remember how we were comparing it to the uh, Spanish flu in 1918? How horrible that was? That killed 618,000 people. My God. But 100 years later, now we've got COVID. We had a president that didn't do shit, called it a hoax, disbanded the uh, committee to handle pandemics, got rid of the pandemic playbook, and did absolutely nothing. And now, a few years later, we have 800,000 people dead. And it's not over. We could very well hit a million people dead from this pandemic. Now, right now, the Delta variant is the dominant virus out there now. That's what people are seeing the most of. And the Delta is is dangerous. A lot of people are dying from it. As you can see, 800,000 people have died. Now, what they're saying is that the Omicron is going to end up being the dominant variant, ultimately. I mean, you got to remember, winter is a time when this shit really hits the fan, and it gets bad. Some of the worst of COVID-19 and Delta uh, was during the winter months. And we're headed into the winter months now. We're just into December. We've got a good four, three, four months of hardcore winter and more chances for this Omicron to explode. Now, the good news about this, there's really no good news. They're saying it's a little milder than the Delta, which is a positive thing. But it spreads so much faster, so much quicker. And it's going to be more people getting the Omicron virus. One bit of good news, apparently Pfizer now has a pill that's going to get approval sometime soon. And basically what this pill does is if you get COVID-19, Delta, or the variant Omicron, you can take these pills after the fact. It won't get rid of COVID necessarily, but what it will do is it'll mild uh, or tamp down the uh, symptoms of the virus and keep you from going into the hospital and ultimately dying. It has an 89% success rate. So this is a big deal. But the important thing is try not to get COVID. Try to get rid of COVID or Delta or Omicron completely. But in order to do that, we need to get everybody vaccinated. And even still, as people are dying over and over again every day, People still refuse to get the vaccine. They won't they don't want to get it. They refuse to fucking get it. So I'm not sure how it's going to all shake out, what we're gonna be looking at at the end, but I think it's reasonable if we're at eight hundred thousand now and we're coming into a highly infective point of time in in the season of winter, we may very well see a million people die. That's 400,000 more than died during the Spanish flu 100 years ago. You would think in 100 years we'd get better. We'd be able to shut these things down, and you know what we do. We do, but you need a president who's willing to do something, take action to protect this country. But Donald Trump was not willing to do it. And then he throws out the idea that oh, you shouldn't get the vaccine because it's dangerous, even though he's vaccinated. Then all the Republicans jump on board. Yeah, don't get vaccinated. I don't understand the mentality there. I don't understand the strategy. Uh, 
because for the most part, it's Republicans that are dying because they're not vaccinated and they're losing votes. That's totally the contrary of what they normally do. (laughs) Makes no goddamn sense. But if you think the virus is over, it's not. We still have Omicron and we still have winter and things could get kind of ugly. So be safe. Get vaccinated. Get your boosters. Wear your mask when you need to and stay safe. Let's try to eradicate this whole virus from the country. Unfortunately, until people all get vaccinated, we can't do that. So we just have to sit back and watch people die. And I can't feel sorry for people who refuse to protect themselves when they get sick and die. They were asking for it. I hate to see it, but uh, I'm not going to cry about it. Because sometimes you get what you deserve. What do they call it? Karma? You don't get vaccinated. You don't get the booster and you die. That is the epitome of fucking karma. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be back. Well, we continue to hear about how Donald Trump has been fighting to keep uh, the White House documents from January 6th out of the hands of the select committee. The National Archives holds these documents, and he's doing everything he can to keep the select committee from getting these documents. Unfortunately, he's already been through two court cases, and they were slam dunks because he had no basis in law to win that court case. He lost two court cases. And yes, he's going to appeal it to the Supreme Court, but this is such a ridiculous case, and both these judges have said that they're fucking ridiculous cases, that it would be a surprise if the Supreme Court even listened to it. They can't help but look stupid for taking the time to even listen to a ridiculous court case. They certainly, if they do decide to hear it, they certainly can't vote in favor of Donald Trump because there would be a huge backlash. And their legitimacy and credibility would be further in question. And we know they're worried about that. But here's the thing. We know that's going on. We know Donald Trump is hustling around trying to keep those documents out of the hands of the select committee. But I got an oldie but goodie for you. I know I get a lot of people asking about it on TikTok. And I, I honestly, I had no idea where it was. In fact, with all this other stuff going on, it isn't hard to forget about it. But we shouldn't. Donald Trump also has been attempting to... Um, Stop the release of his taxes. Now, this is something we've heard about since day one when he took office in 2016 or 17 or whenever he took office, 2017, January 20th. But he's been continually talking about, well, I'll release my taxes when I'm through my audit. Well, this audit he claimed to be in went on for years and years and years, and there was no audit. It was bullshit. Then when it became apparent that he could release his taxes, then he refused to do it. So now the House Select Committee comes along and says, we need to see your taxes. And what does he do? Well, of course, he files a lawsuit in order to delay it. He knows this is yet another court case that he cannot win because he has no basis in law for the court case. But he knows if he throws it into the courts, it will be delayed. Now, When he did that with the documents from the White House on January 6th, he didn't really get what he wanted because it didn't get delayed long. And it's pretty apparent that the court is getting tired of Donald Trump's games because they rushed it along pretty quick when it came to the documents with the National Archives. And now we have a decision on Donald Trump's court case regarding his taxes. Here's what's interesting. Now, the judge heard this case as to why Donald Trump wants to not release his taxes, why the House Select Committee or Congress has no right to see them. He takes it to court. He delays it. He certainly did delay it because I forgot about that whole fucking court case with all the other things going on. And the judge basically says to him, yeah, this law you're claiming, this reason you should be able to hide your taxes Yeah, that's not a thing. 
you don't understand the law. You're wrong, you lose. (laughs) Now, here's the funny thing about this. The judge who said this, the judge that handed Donald Trump yet another loss, was a judge that was appointed by Donald Trump, of all fucking people. Can you believe it? I'm sure Donald Trump thought he owned this judge, and uh, he was certainly going to get a pass on this. But here's the thing. Judges get into office, regardless of who appoints them. But they have a lifetime job. Donald Trump isn't the president anymore. He can't do jack shit to this judge. He can cry and whine about it, but he can't do anything to this judge. Now, this judge has a reputation, too. If they were to accept and allow Donald Trump to win this court case, they would look ridiculous. Now, they can be impeached. And if they were to go ahead and give Donald a win here, that whole impeachment thing could take place. So now, in spite of the fact that this judge was appointed by Donald Trump, they're not going to risk their careers. They're not worried about Donald Trump. What they should do is just focus on the law and make decisions based on the law. Not that they owe Donald Trump a favor, but that's not how Donald Trump's mind works. He thinks they owe him a favor because he got them the job. Well, sorry, Donald, you don't have any power anymore. You don't have any say anymore. You can't do anything. And these people aren't going to risk their careers doing something fucking outrageous just to help you as a thanks for appointing them. They don't have to do that anymore. They don't want to do it anymore because... That would put them in a bad situation. So it's interesting that his own judge told him that, uh, yeah, you don't understand the law. You don't get it. This claim doesn't work. It's not a thing. You don't get to win this. So, So now what's going to happen, of course, is Donald Trump's going to appeal it. In fact, this judge gave him 14 days to appeal it. They've stalled this decision for 14 days so he can appeal it. Now, if he doesn't appeal it, it's done. Taxes are released. It's over. Congress has them. And Congress can decide to hold them close to the chest, or they can publish them to the general public. I would hope They would publish them or at least give us the information about the taxes that uh, implicate Donald Trump and any number of crimes. Now, keep in mind, the Manhattan district already has his taxes and we know the troubles he's got over there. So they've already dug into these. And that's why that accountant is looking for immunity to testify because he knows the Manhattan district has already seen them. Now, the Manhattan district is not going to hand them out willy-nilly to the press so everybody can see it. They're going to keep it close to the vest. So the only difference for Donald Trump here is um, with the Manhattan district, he's still going to get indicted. He's still going to have all kinds of problems as clearly when an accountant asks for immunity to testify against Donald Trump, you know he's got big problems. But they aren't going to let us see it. Now, when it goes to Congress, that may be a different story. It'll come in in public hearings, or maybe we'll see um, releases of the taxes so everybody can see it and everybody knows what kind of fucking crook Donald Trump is. So Donald Trump will now appeal that decision, assuming in 14 days. Now, this this guy's going to be busy because he had 14 days about a week ago to uh, appeal the situation with the documents with the National Archive. He's in the process of trying to do that. Now the clock is start for another 14 days so he can appeal this decision with his taxes. Oh, Donald Trump's got to be spinning around. He's got so much coming down on his head, he doesn't know what the fuck to do. Now, the National Archives and the documents will go to the Supreme Court. As I said, the Supreme Court probably won't even accept it. Then it's a done deal for Donald. He loses. The documents are sent to the select committee. Same thing with the taxes, too. Now, it seemed to take a long time for the taxes to show up in court and get a decision for it. I don't even remember when they started that. 
but it's been a while. But as I say, judges are now seeing the game that Donald Trump plays. He's trying to delay, trying to subvert the judicial system, trying to get away with criminality. And he's delaying it by putting it in the courts. But as we know now, the courts are getting tired of this bullshit. And they're going to push it along a lot faster. So he's got this decision. He's going to appeal. He's got 14 days. He'll probably push it to 14 days. When he appeals it, he'll go through the same thing. And they will tell him he lost again. Now, then what he'll probably do is take it to the... uh, Supreme Court, where again, he will lose because there's no basis in law for anything he's claiming. Now, it all does take a little bit of time, and I know how that frustrates you, but the fact of the matter is, you think about that. He's trying to hide a bunch of documents. He's going to lose that case to the Supreme Court, and that shit's going to be exposed. It's going to take a little longer because he's got a couple of courts to go, but he's going to do that with his taxes, but he will lose that. That will all get exposed. And if that weren't enough, if that weren't enough, (laughs) Mark Meadows releases 9,000 documents before he says, oh, I'm not going to testify. We're finding out a lot of things, as I mentioned earlier, uh, what happened around the insurrection and um, other areas of Donald Trump's activity. It's not just it's not just the activity around January 6th. You see, Mark Meadows was kind of involved in this whole thing with Georgia. Yeah, you got to remember, there's an indictment coming from Georgia too about Donald Trump calling the Secretary of State prior or after the election, trying to get them to overturn it, trying to bully them, trying to coerce them into finding him 11,780 votes. That is breaking the law, and it's on audio tape. But what you may not know is before that call was made, before that call was made, Mark Meadows made a visit to the Secretary of State. Now, we don't know exactly what he said, but we can guess it had something to do with with overturning the election because that's what he fucking does. That's what he's been doing. In fact, there are some texts that went to Mark Meadows while Donald Trump was on the phone with the secretary of state. One of the uh, assistants or aides for the secretary of state was texting Mark Meadows and saying, we got to stop this call. It's not going to be productive. They were nervous that it was an illegal call, which it was, and they didn't want to be a party to it. So they ultimately did get off the call. Mark Meadows knew what was going on. Donald Trump knew what he was doing. And now there's evidence of it with an audio tape. And now we have text going back and forth between the uh, Georgia Secretary of State's office and Mark Meadows saying, Jesus, you got to cut this off. This is wrong. (laughs) Donald Trump can try to hide things, but he can only delay things so long. It may take longer than you hope, but ultimately it all comes out. It all comes to pass. And there are going to be a lot of people paying prices, big prices, for the things that were done. People like Mark Meadows, people like Donald Trump Jr., people like Donald Trump Sr. All these people are being exposed now. It's all coming together. And all those people that kept telling me, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. If you're still saying that, you're not watching and you're not listening. It may be not happening the way you think it should happen. It's happening the way it has to happen. And it may be slow by your standards, but it's coming. It's coming. There's a lot exposed. We've basically proven by Mark Meadows' own hand that Donald Trump and Mark Meadows were behind the insurrection, not only inciting it, but directing it and planning for it. That's big fucking news. When a president of the United States tries to subvert a legal election, when a president of the United States tries to overturn that election and overthrow the government, that's a big problem. People do go to jail for it. 
Now, typically, presidents don't go to jail. They usually get out of it. But if there was ever a president that does go to jail for something that you just cannot excuse, it is this instance with Donald Trump and what happened on the insurrection or what happened in Georgia or what's happening in the Manhattan District of New York. He's got three locations. He's on the verge of being indicted in every one of them. When that happens, it's going to be a shit show, and it's going to be a shit show that Donald Trump cannot talk his way out of. He cannot buy his way out of. He cannot delay his way out of. This is what happens to people like Donald Trump, people that are narcissistic, sociopathic, and pathological liars. They will spin their lies. They will talk their shit. They will bully people, and it will work for a long period of time. But ultimately, it comes crashing down on them. They start a spiral, and then they fucking crash, and it's huge. And it happens to everybody who is like that. As I've said before, I had a father like that. It's exactly what happened. He flourished for many years. His bullying tactics worked for many years. But then all of a sudden, they didn't. The money slipped away. And now all he can do is flail. And when he starts flailing, it's fucking over. Because that's the tailspin, headed for the crash. It happened to my father. It'll happen to Donald Trump. Trust me on this. It's just a matter of time now. Things are coming out like they're supposed to be coming out, like they should have came out two, three, four years ago. We had to wait a long time. It was frustrating. It was scary. But it's now starting to come out. And Donald Trump is in some deep shit right at this point. He knows it. All the people around him know it. And that's why 300 people have willingly testified in front of the House Select Committee, people very close to Donald Trump, people that worked in the groups with Donald Trump. These people are saying, fuck it, I don't want to get caught up in this mess. I don't want to go to court for criminal contempt of Congress. I don't want to be tied to Donald Trump when he fucking finally goes down. So they're speaking up willingly. There was even an organizer from the insurrection that testified in front of the select committee just yesterday. Uh, Anderson Cooper interviewed him on CNN. Now, this guy claims he wasn't part of any of the uh, violence about this. He claims that not everybody that was at the uh, rally was part of the insurrection, and I suppose that's true. But there were enough of them to overcome the police department, break in to the U.S. Capitol. So this guy hasn't been charged with anything violent because there's no proof of him being involved in any violence. But when asked, whose fault is this? He said two things. He said, first and foremost, it's the fault of the individuals who did what they did. Okay, I'll take that. But they're not the only ones at fault. And he ultimately said, he said, look, I felt betrayed by Donald Trump. The buck has to stop with Donald Trump. He's the one that organized this. He's the one that encouraged it. He sent people down to the Capitol. There was no security set up. There was no audio equipment to help contain these people. He did nothing to prepare for sending these people down. It turned out exactly what he wanted to do. It turned into a fucking crazy-ass mob who attacked the U.S. Capitol. See, that's the thing with Donald Trump. These people that were in the insurrection, or even the people that weren't violent in the insurrection, they were being manipulated by a master manipulator. He didn't care what happened to them, just as long as he got what he wanted. So he fired these people up. He incited these people. He manipulated them, and they were all fucking duped by Donald Trump. Most of them don't realize it yet, but at some point in the not-too-distant future, There'll be a reckoning, and they will realize that they were duped, they were manipulated, they were betrayed by Donald Trump. That is coming. Mark my words on that. Last thing I want to talk about, I saw a speech with Senator Raphael Warnock of Georgia. Now, this speech was very compelling and an important speech. Now, Raphael Warnock is a strong advocate of voting rights, as we all should be. 
We see all this voter suppression bullshit going on all over the country. The only savior to this is some kind of voting rights bill, something to knock these states out of the process and stop them from doing the things they're doing. They know as Republicans they can't win races and it's getting harder every time, so instead they want to cheat. They have these voter suppression laws. They want to keep people of color from voting or at least making it more difficult for them. Raphael Warnock, senator of Georgia, is particularly upset about that. Well, because he's from Georgia. They have voter suppression laws. They've done some crazy shit. How he won in the first place, who the fuck knows? It was a miracle, thanks uh, to Stacey Abrams. So he's talking about this, and he's upset right now. The plan has always been to pass the voting rights bill. But unfortunately... To pass the voting rights bill as it currently stands, they would have to do that under a filibuster with a supermajority of 60 votes. That means 50 Democrats and 10 Republicans. Well, we've already discussed this many times over, and the Republicans have said, we will not vote with the Democrats on this at all. So essentially, with the filibuster and a supermajority, and the Democrats only having 50 votes, there's no way this voting rights bill can pass. Now, people have suggested, well, we need to get rid of or carve out the uh, filibuster. Now, the Democrats aren't even chiming in on this because they've already said they're not voting on it, so they have nothing to say about it, and we don't care. We need to change the filibuster. We need to get rid of the filibuster. But we've got two Democratic senators in uh, Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema who are really worried about carving out or uh, getting rid of the filibuster. It would be disastrous for this country. It would harm this country. We can't do that. But Raphael Warnock pointed something out that we all need to take a look at. It's one thing to listen to what people say, but how about what really happens? Because you see, there's this great battle over passing the debt ceiling. Republicans didn't want to vote for it. They didn't want to make it look like they were making more spending. They wanted the Democrats to appear to be wanting to do crazy spending. Well, here's the thing about this debt ceiling. This has nothing to do with what the Democrats spent or will spend. It has to do with everything that the Republicans spent. So they're calling this a crazy expenditure, but it's money they've already spent. So they're just trying to gaslight America, gaslight the government. It's all a bunch of shit. But the bottom line is they refuse to vote for the debt ceiling increase. And once again, we have a filibuster problem here because with the filibuster, they need 60 votes. And since there's only 50 Democrats, they need 10 Republicans. Republicans already told us they aren't voting for it. So what to do? Well, Mitch McConnell was in a tough situation because he didn't want it not to be raised because he would take as much of a beating as any Democrat would. And so would all the Republicans. This was just a show of power. He really wanted the debt ceiling raised, so he had to cave. And I know a lot of people told me, oh, he'll never cave. I said, yes, he will cave. And he did fucking cave. And you know how he caved? Well, they decided to carve out the filibuster, a one-time thing, where they could pass this debt ceiling with a simple majority of 51 votes, 50 Democrats and one vice president who's president of the uh, Senate, Kamala Harris. Now, wait a minute. Joe Manchin and Christian Cinema told us that if we were to get rid of the filibuster, it would do immeasurable damage to this country and our government. We can't do that with the voting rights bill. But somehow, we found a way to do it with the debt ceiling bill. 
raising the debt ceiling. Somehow we were able to do it then. And guess what? Nothing bad happened. The country's still running. The government's still running. We carved out the filibuster and everything's okay. So now when we get to the voting rights bill, this is where Raphael Warnock gets pissed off. You tell us it's the worst possible thing in the world, then you go ahead and do it for the debt ceiling rise, but you won't do it for the voting rights bill. That makes no sense. Clearly, Manchin and Cinema were lying to us because it didn't do any bad things to this country. In fact, if they hadn't carved out the filibuster, it would have done immense damage to this country economically. So Raphael Warnock is saying, look, if we can do it for the debt ceiling, we got to do it for the voting rights bill. And let's be perfectly honest with you. That voting rights bill is as important as anything this Congress can pass. Without passing that, we're headed that much closer to authoritarianism, to the Republicans gaming the system and stealing elections without that voting rights bill. So that is absolutely crucial that we get it passed. So now Raphael Warnock is shaming his Democrats, Manchin and Cinnamon, saying, you did it once, it's fine, now you need to do it again. Because both these two are say they're for voting rights, they're all for it, but they're against carving out the filibuster. Well, clearly they're not against carving out the filibuster because that's exactly what they fucking did with the debt ceiling. This is going to put some pressure on those two and the rest of Congress. This voting rights bill needs to be passed. It will be passed. They'll fucking do something, put pressure on certain people, and it will get passed. It's just absolutely ridiculous that we've been dicking around with it this much. And once again, the Republicans, all they want to do is obstruct. They don't want to do anything for the country. They don't want to do anything for the people. They want to sit with their thumbs up their asses and do absolutely nothing and hope to God the Democrats end up looking bad. Well, they're not. The fact of the matter is the Republicans are looking bad, and they're going to pay the price come 2022. All right, let's wrap it up for another Rational Boomer podcast. want to thank you for uh, spending the time with me, taking the time to listen. Questions, comments, or complaints, by all means, email me directly at rationalboomer at gmail.com or go to anchor.fm, find the Rational Boomer podcast, and... uh, You can leave a voicemail message. I'm always anxious to hear from you. So we'll wrap it up and we'll talk to you again very soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.